Welcome to the Bullcaster Podcast, episode 49. Our guest today has made the trek out special for the FCP, owner and principal of the Four Direction Motorsports team out of Colorado, Greg Welch. Really uh, stoked to get him out here and uh, hanging out with us, you know, chatting a little bit about this kind of stuff. I've gotten a chance to, to be under his tent a couple of times uh, at uh, Sonoma once and then as well as um, Rock, uh, Rock Vegas. So mm-hmm. uh, awesome tent bunch of fun loving people so i'm looking forward to, to chatting with him but first let's knock out some current events he's got a plane to catch here in a little bit so yeah, we, we gotta be quick we can't dilly dally <laughs> um uh we are recording this on august 22nd um i want to say it's only been a couple of weeks but we did have a tracy race since the last recording i believe yeah yeah two weeks since we had fight and then yeah we had a tricy race that's right for ourselves so yeah and uh i did three classes mm-hmm. uh Two and a half, really. Right. Uh, I did 100 CC Masters, finished at the hundred uh, summer 100 deal, got P two for uh, for the points, and uh, was able to earn a little bit of bucks for for Jim Barry. Nice. And then uh, John Rice, I was running his cart in Senior and Masters for two hundred six for two hundred six, yeah. and just trying to dial it in because he's been struggling. And John's a guy that you've been coaching for a long time in the sport carts. Yeah. Grandmasters front runner and won the championship last year. So yeah. That was big. So um, yeah, he's been having issues with his ride though. So you've been wanting to. You finally had a chance to just get in and figure it out. Yeah, it's, see what's going on. It's one of those things we would talk about during our coaching sessions, and he was about ready to get out of car, or at least get out of competition carding because yeah. he's like, "I don't want to hang out in the mid pack. I feel like I'm better than this." And then he would go and drive like his buddy Tyler Redmond's cart, mm-hmm. and he'd be quicker, yeah. dramatically quicker, like a second. And we're like, "All right, there's definitely something wrong with your ride." And then Tyler would jump in his, and Tyler's a little quicker, but not by much. Yeah. So I get into it, and immediately it's like. John, this thing's bent. Like yeah. this thing's junk right out of the gate. Long story short, because we can go a while. Got her straightened up. Did some creativity with the uh, the setup to try to make it a little bit better, and changed the head gasket, which had a ginormous slit in it, and oh, wow. he had no power whatsoever, and wasn't getting full throttle. So all those things combined, we damn near won that race. He had a successful <laughs> day up until the last corner on the last That's lap. That's right. It was, yeah. yeah, it was oh, yeah. fun to watch though. Almost won. Almost one, yeah. and that and that go. We, you were actually joking about it. You were like, "The worst thing you can do, Mike, is actually winning that." Thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but the cart, the, the cart was uh, once we got everything dialed in, it was good. And it was really, really fun to work with John, and he almost he actually did win. Yeah, uh, and, he jumped in, in Tyler's, Tyler's cart for the weekend. Yeah. So it was just overall a lot of fun, and um, probably one of my favorite things is is seeing seeing someone kind of get re-energized about about racing yeah you know, especially when they're kind of down in the dumps you know trying to figure out whether it be through coaching or whatever and kind of get them turned around the little shot in the arm can go a long way yeah but it's it's easy for people to feel it, the plateau can be real right you know absolutely and then what do i do how do i you know how do i proceed and sometimes it's you know getting a different perspective is the way to go now yeah we had to do some things to try to get him dialed in, but I'm excited to see what he does uh, on in his own right again. I, however, had the worst cramping episode I've ever had in my life, like <laughs> my entire body. Not enough bananas. It was, <laughs> actually, I had one. Oh, I probably not should enough. have one team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I had uh, just water all day long and yeah. salt pills and stuff like that. It just didn't do any damn bit of good. Um, on the flip side, you had uh, a, a much, much... Well, Almost, uh, I almost had as good a day as you, but yeah. yours ended up very, very nicely. Yeah, um, finally got that elusive win that I've been hunting for for the last few races. So uh, we're on Nuovo, and for those of you who haven't been on it, it's basically a flat out course in a two hundred six. Real There's, close, you know, yeah. Two breaking, you know, three ish breaking zones, but um, it's not the funnest course to race on. Uh, 
but we were fast. I mean, once again, we had some speed, so qualified pull. And then in the um, uh, first heat, a little bit of contact in the final corner, went from first to second, and then just didn't have anything for Albert Ye in the second heat. And uh, and then the main was able to just kind of slowly pick off some laps and got past Albert and, you know, kept a gap and was able to get that um, second one of the year. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's a big power track, but also in your chassis, it's about making it efficient as yeah. well, especially in the 206 when you're just bleeding speed off whenever you turn. Yeah. And obviously, you guys had that, that cart rolling. I've never <laughs> – I mean – I put in effort to all my races, but with how fast Albert was and the nuances of that that day with driving the rubber a little bit different. Oh yeah, it was um, very grippy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I've never focused so hard to really like just turn the wheel as little as possible. Yeah. It was pretty neat, but I was mentally exhausted at the end of that race. <laughs> I was just ready to ready to not race ever again. <laughs> I, I, I totally know what you mean about exha- exhaustion. Mine was physical though. Yeah, for <laughs> I sure. was dying. We were over there at the podium. And I'm just like trying not to move. Yeah. I saw them get a rope and crank you out of the seat <laughs> when you pulled into the pits. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be at least two tons. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So we, we had a little bit of success there the last time out. Uh, the uh, the only other kind of big piece, I guess, would be the addition of 100cc Masters yeah. to the Supernats. has just been confirmed, if you Rob will. Rob Howden bought, bought enough entries. So yeah, now exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> 20 uh, 28 Rob Howdens out there. Yeah. But seriously, it, it's it's cool to see that uh, the Masters uh, class added. Ironically, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it because right. uh, um, I'm going to be at Rock Vegas two weeks prior and mm-hmm. blowing all my money on that thing. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I'm going to try. You're to not racing it. Rock Vegas. You're just going during yeah. the time and going to gamble. <laughs> just to watch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll win my money back. <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to try to get a job over at Cart uh, Chaser to try to get uh, whether it be you know a, not be a lot of announcing. I don't think it'll probably be just Howden and uh, camera operator. And <laughs> Something more We're along live the lines. Yeah. Three. <laughs> I'm just the guy with the little board. Yeah, Rick. exactly. Uh, hopefully, I can. We got a that. job for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweep these floors. Uh, yeah. If hey, if it pays for the hotels, then maybe I'll be able to be there. Yeah, we'll see. no kidding. But uh, speaking of guys that uh, that do Vegas and kick ass when he's doing it, uh, we got our guest today that we need to get on here and get rolling with his story. So let's, uh, without further ado, bring on Greg Welch. Greg Welch, thanks for coming out here and, and hanging out with us, making the trek all the way from Colorado. Uh, how was the How was the flight? All good, all good. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks course. for coming out here just for this. Pretty much, that's awesome. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, nothing <laughs> else going on on a Monday. We struggled getting Sean Beer to drive ten minutes here, and you flew. It's a great. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, seriously, it is awesome to to get you out here. I know we had talked about trying to get you out here at some point, maybe uh, this season. And you, you said you had listened to the show, so you. You kind of heard how some of these things go, and, and one of the reasons you said that you want to jump on this thing was kind of tell your story about how you got into stuff or what you do and that kind of thing. And That's one of the funnest parts about doing the show in the first place is learning things about people you had no idea. Like, I don't know you that well. We I think we first met each other here at Challenge. Um, just you were... I think so. You had your thing here, and I think I walked over for a free beer or something like that. <laughs> Sounds uh, like us. Can't believe, it. <laughs> can't believe it's not Coors Light, by the way, being from Colorado. But. That's fine. But we got a chance to, Jim Barry and I went up and, and hung out with you at Sonoma uh, for the challenge finale. Was it last year? I think it was 21. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because then I got the the ticket. And then again, at Rock Vegas, we got a chance to be into that tent. Fun, 
fun group of guys. Like I love how laid back everybody is, but at the same token, you take take things seriously. It's it's time to time to go, but it's not like up on the chip all the time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we do have to at least attempt to enjoy what we do, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes it a lot longer day. You it don't? Be, yeah, it can be a long week if you're just pissed off all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I talked about you're you're the owner of Forward Direction Motorsports, and again, being based out of Colorado. But but maybe what what is is it just a team? Are you are you guys a brick and mortar? Like what is Forward Direction Motorsports? Uh, we're brick and mortar. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of our primary focus is the shop itself. Um, <clears throat> we've got about 6,000 square feet of space that we share with, uh, Ian Kunches from carbon motorsports. Ah. And so the front half of the shop's a go-kart shop and the back half of the shop is an off-road, uh, like race car shop. We got mm. a fab shop in the back, um, you know, lays and mills and plasma cutter, and we can make whatever in the shop, but. Yeah, that's definitely our primary thing is is uh, general service work uh, for the state, both you know on go karts and on the engine side of things. Um, we do our own engine rebuild services, not fully yet, but for the most part, we're doing a lot of stuff in house. We have the dyno, um, and I have two full time guys that are there every day. I mean, they're there right now working on some form of go-kart what's gonna yeah. be funny too is this is gonna come out here in september and it, it i assume you'll be listening to it at that at the shop with the yeah, guys yeah wait till they hear all the things you're gonna say they've just got their <laughs> shout out yeah. <laughs> exactly uh so you guys are doing the, the the shop thing there you also have the race team are you guys a nationally focused deal do you guys go all over the all over the the, the, the country or are you guys kind of stay more local i know you come here in the winter for challenge and things like that but are you right. guys traveling around to all the national events uh we definitely don't so we we focus our summers on the local market local region and, and we just what we is just that for for color is that colorado karting tour colorado or? karting tour is our biggest local series yeah yes. gotcha um but just you know going to the track doing test days you know running all the ckt events i think there's eight or nine mm. ckt races per year that we do um but you know it's largely seasonal in colorado like it snows in the winter and it gets cold. Right. How long is it? When's the season start? When's it end for you guys? We start in April and end in September. Gotcha. Oh, so it is oh, a man. short season. Yeah. You guys are coming up on season finales here pretty quick. Our season finale is Labor Day weekend. Do you have some people in the mix for championships? Uh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. Probably leading, I don't know, at least three, four classes, something like that. Awesome. Right on. That's cool. And then uh, it, what makes you, with focusing on that, do you do challenge the Americas simply because of what you just said there you can't do anything locally so let's let's get the truck and trailer and go south for sure um you know weather's warm and we got to do something and uh we've got we've been running Andy series since it was Rotax you know long before the rock deal and so we just kind of kept kept going and I think I've been the challenge for almost 10 years in a row oh wow oh man gotcha um and then you know we do find other events that we go do during the summer like we were in Texas for the Texas Sprint Series two or three weeks ago in Amarillo. Uh, what we made did, you go out there to, to, to Texas? It's six hours away. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know it was that close. It's closer. to work on my geography. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that race is actually closer for me than a lot of the guys that live in Texas. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, and that track, I don't know if you guys have been to Amarillo, but no. it's a it's a sweet racetrack. Heard about it. Though. It sounds like it's kind of in BFE as far yeah. as like uh, Texas is concerned. But the track is Istanbul, essentially, right? Yep. It's basically the track from Turkey uh, that the F1 guys go to, which is always visibly and certainly on the video game, I've always been a big fan of. 
Um, yep. Is it? Have you? Did you get a chance? Have you driven it or just been there yourself? Uh, I raced it the first year they did that race, which I think was seventeen. Got it. Okay. I raced it next thirty. Man, it looks like it'd be fun. It really does. Yeah. How long has has FDM been a a team, a shop, etc. With you at the helm? We started one uh, one of twenty nineteen. Okay, so a fairly young group. Yep. Gotcha. So FDM is in its fourth year right now. Wow, wow. What made you decide to start the team in the first place? And did you have other jobs or anything like that at the time and move over to this? Yeah, so when I started it, I was working as the general manager at the Centennial Racetrack. Oh, okay. Um, and so a group uh, from Denver called the Unser Unser Karting Group right. had reopened that track, and I'd worked for Unser for probably five or six years at that point in time. Mm. And they so, had an indoor track, did they not? Yep, still do. Okay. Okay, yeah. Um, and I actually was running a performance cart shop out of the indoor track. Oh. Like, that's what I was doing mm-hmm. at the time. And so, when the outdoor track came about, it just made a ton of sense for mm-hmm. me to be the guy and move down there. So, right. you know, I ran the rental operation and the performance cartings, you know, the whole thing just was general manager of the track. Um, and that project wasn't really, let's just say panning out the way that I had wanted it to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the time came just to go and, and separate and do my own thing and focus on the racing side of it, which is what we enjoy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like it's going pretty well. And, and like I said, the, the group that I've been with, uh, at both Sonoma and then again at rock, I mean, there's, there's talented, uh, individuals under there and you do everything from the cadets on up and, Seems to be everybody's towards the sharp end as well, or the forward direction, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, have you always been? Maybe this is a good time to, like, you know, way back machine, as uh, right. Sean Beer said. Like, <laughs> uh, have you always been in in karting or in racing, or like, how did you? Was your family a part of it? Like, how how that whole thing go? Was your kid? Uh, yeah. So I have been racing my whole life. So I started when I was seven years old and never left. And nice. it's pretty much just been go karts. And, and how old are you now? 34. 34. So you were able to get, cadets were certainly a thing. Um, was there kid carts? What, what no year kid you, carts. What year did you start? 97. 97. Okay, okay, yeah. So kid carts were just starting to come around, but seven years old, cadets are certainly a thing. So 97 you start, and you've always been in Colorado? Yeah. So what did they have, what did you have for 97 for, for options up there? Oh, uh, we had a, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the options were. The one kind of interesting thing is that the Yamaha, like, never really existed there oh really in the 90s yeah what were you guys racing raptor three flathead briggs (laughs) oh man four stroke for the win (laughs) i love it i love it so you did so you at seven you're doing junior one four cycle yeah gotcha and how did you get so did your did your dad i mean who how'd you get into karting in the first place yeah so the the first race uh the first race is man it's just not good it's just (laughs) not good the way the whole thing played out yeah so uh, late summer we went and, uh, you know, my dad had a buddy whose kid raced go-karts. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really in karting before that. Um, I think he was a, you know, racing fan, motorsports fan, but you know, we hadn't raced or anything like that. And I'll, I'll say we, cause I have an older brother, uh, three and a half years older and we started at the same time. Uh, okay. Um, how'd you guys find out about karting? If, if, so, if you guys just raced fans and didn't actually do it, how did you find out about it? Yeah, it was. I think it was just my dad's buddy, yeah. you know, like his kid raced and and we did some business with the guy. And so he invited us out to the track and we went and drove a go-kart. Mm-hmm. 
And three, four months later for Christmas, that exact same go-kart was sitting in the garage. Try before you buy. Oh, Perfect. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and so is that when you were six or seven? Is that seven? Seven. That was seven. Okay. That was seven. Yep. And uh, my brother and I decided to share, well, didn't decide what we were, we what shared were the go-kart, do, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, I think it was like maybe one or two races. Mm-hmm. My dad realized you know, we can't run junior two and junior one with two different size kids changing yeah. the weight. Yeah. And that was when it just spiraled out of control. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the first race I'm out there. <clears throat> Did you do much practice beforehand? I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I think the weather got warm and we're like, Hey, let's, let's go racing. Most go, first time racers go race. do just jump into a race. I feel like. Yeah. It, there is <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Why practice? Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, first race, uh, <clears throat> qualified, I don't know, last, second to last, something like that. Mm-hmm. There's probably 10, 15 kids in the class, right? Well, about three quarters of the way through the race, I'm going a lap down. The guy whose go-kart we bought was leading the race. He's so got, obviously he's he, got a brand new car, right? Yeah. His equipment wasn't very good, obviously. Could, it had to have been. <laughs> had to have been. Um, but we ended up, let's just call it coming together. Oh, that kid went over. Oh man, broke his collarbone. Never raced again. Are you kidding me? Wow, <laughs> Greg Welch simultaneously getting in and taking other people out of karting at the same time. It just happened to be that kid's second race, and they bought a new <laughs> kart for it. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the mantra we've tried to follow since. You know, <laughs> yeah, you exactly. can't beat him. <laughs> Remove them from the equation. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, that is rough. And I mean, you're. As a, as a munchkin just starting out, right? You're just trying to go that way. The other guy's trying to figure out how to get around you. And obviously, there was a difference of opinion for real estate. You know, and the sad thing is, is the track that we were at, it's called IMI Motorsports. It's on the north side of Denver. It's probably almost 40 feet wide. and oh, wow. it's, So there's and not it's, enough space. And it's a mile yeah. long. <laughs> and it's only got 10 or 11 corners in it. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, it's basically a freeway, you yeah. know? yeah. Uh, and he hit you on the straight. That's the craziest part. Did you? Was there a turn signal involved? What are you guys doing? Oh my gosh! There's no reason that go karts should come together at that place. Yeah, you know the, the, we'll see that even out here at Cal Speed, right? Where you come up on a lapper, it doesn't matter what class or what what it is, and the person passing the the lapper feels like they need to be as close as possible to that person. Well, you I gotta see look it. good while you're doing it. Is that what it is? Yep. You get that draft mm-hmm. off that person <laughs> 10 miles an hour slower than you? Golly. I've seen it so many times they come together on stupid stuff like that. So, unfortunately, you have this coming together. Why did he stop driving? I, I think that that was, you know, maybe that was a moment that scared him or, yeah. you know, maybe Shankies. maybe mom saw it and just p- pulled the plug, right? right? Forget yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that actually reminds me of Stephen Mackley. Remember he was saying about him going I was up just and thinking over. that, yeah. yeah. He was like, he had an issue that Yeah, that he, had to, yeah. he had to come back. Yeah, get back on the horse, if you will. Well, not everybody. Did, so, your, uh, did your parents have an, obviously not too big of an issue with that. You kept racing, but did they... His collarbone was fine. Yeah, did you remember, <laughs> do you remember them talking to you or anything about like being safe out there, especially as a seven-year-old? That definitely, definitely was a conversation, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. That's an insane um, way to start your karting career right there. But I think that's when we... You know, kind of looked around and said, "Hey, maybe we should practice." And 
Yeah. You yeah. know, try to get better before. <laughs> His dad approached yeah. the other guy. He's like, is that cart for sale? <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly used. Yeah. It's like new. Uh, yeah. Only one race on it. Um, yeah, on it. Jeez Louise. <laughs> well, over it, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, all right. You guys are going back out your practice. You do different things to improve. How does the rest of year one go? Uh, do you see market improvement throughout the year? You know, and would you consider yourself a, a more of a natural driver or learned in that regard? Um, I don't really remember much about year one, yeah. So I'm assuming it didn't go all that well, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that would just struck it from the memory banks, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, year two and year three is when like things kind of started clicking, yeah, still doing sure. the four stroke thing, yeah. So with the Raptor three, the you know, the flathead Briggs, we ran one year of gas. And then two years of methanol. Mm-hmm. We didn't. I never did gas. We we straight into methanol junior one. It was ninety four. Yeah. So you you end up doing three years of cadet or more than that in the cadet stuff. More than that in cadet. I came in because it's twelve. I guess you would be doing closer to five. I would think if you're yeah still doing the same same exactly. age deal. Five years exactly. Gotcha. So you do a year of gas, two years of methanol. You said the next two years things start to improve a little bit. Yep. Yeah, so the two the two years in methanol um, went you know relatively well, and by I think ninety nine by the third year, we just thought that we were the the best, <laughs> right? Like we'd only ever raced at one track, right? We'd only ever raced in Colorado. Did they have a regional tour as well in the area? At that point in time, there was two two separate clubs at two tracks, mm-hmm. and both clubs ran completely different rule sets on the brakes. And so if you were geared for one track, then that's where you ran. And if mm-hmm. you were set up for the other track, then that's where you ran. And right. you kind of stayed in your own little world. And that Got was it. That was it. So you guys do pretty well. Feel like you're God's gift there at uh, the one track. Nah, we knew it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question. And so do you make some adjustments there year four? Well, what what you naturally do when you, you know, win a, win a local one track Briggs championship is you go buy shifter carts. Naturally, right? <laughs> My, oh, yeah, I don't know middle ground there yeah, at all. I think you just kind of goes without saying, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, junior shifter, let's go. That's what you do. So I, you know, I was ten, eleven, something like that, and so I got into the sixty. Okay. On the still oh, the on cadet the cadet. Oh, oh cool. yeah. Okay. Yep. And my brother got an eighty for eighty junior, mm-hmm. and I think it was March of two thousand. We went to Scoose Pro Tour. Yeah, this Again, is the natural progression. Yeah, this is yeah. what you do, yeah. right? Now, was there was shifters a thing in Colorado? You had the four strokes, but and then no Yamaha, Yamahas really. But was it four strokes and shifters? Those are your options. <laughs> I, you know, I think we were uh, kind of on the front side of the shifter cart deal in Colorado. Yeah, mm. but ninety nine through like two thousand four definitely grew. Okay, and by you know call it mid the mid O's. Uh, it was super popular in Colorado. Okay, gotcha. So you end up going straight to the Pro Tour. Is this also the first time you've gone to a different track? Yes. Phenomenal. How, how long? <laughs> how long were you driving the shifter for when, when before you went to Pro Tour? So the well, see, the, they have Thursday moving day. In yeah. The <laughs> oh my god. So the first the first Pro Tour race, I was I was kind of lucky because. Uh, you know, they called it Pro Moto Tour back then. Right, right. But they did not have, at Pro Moto Tour, they did not have a cadet shifter. Okay. And so I didn't race the first Scusa race we went to, but I still find it a valuable 
you know, lesson learned, right? Did yeah. you know that there was not a cadet? Yeah. Okay. So I went with my brother, okay. right? My brother was racing 80 junior and he was also God's gift to, to go kart racing. Yes. Yeah. You know, we won all the Briggs races at the Absolutely. one track championship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we went down to Phoenix and he qualified all the way at the back by like, you know, seconds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man. man. And you're looking at this going, well, obviously that's not going to happen. The to track me. has like, right. <laughs> track has 500 corners in it. Then you're right. <laughs> you're, you're coaching your junior three years, uh, three and a half years older brother. Dude, what are you doing? Let me show you all about it. And so, so this is when we, we kind of started realizing, okay, maybe there's more to this than, than we know about. Wow. Right. Than we think about. And midsummer, you'll like this one, Mike, there was a promoto tour race at Pat Takers. Yes. Mm. And Pat Takers had a local option class for the 60 shifter. Oh, that's cool. And so there was like 15 of us or something. And, you know, so my dad made me go and watch all these pro tour races. And he said, Hey, when, you know, this Pat's race comes around midsummer, you're going to go and do this race. And you're going to be brilliant. Right. Yeah, no. I think he had reset his expectation yeah. at that point. <laughs> um, and naturally, I was uh, horrible. Horrible. I think we finished two or three spots from all the way at the back. And that's because the other guys lost a chain or... No, I think it was all equipment. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was, uh, was your dad the big driving force on this? Just keep, like you guys in the seat, you guys going to the track, all that stuff? You know, we had to, we had to go out and and do it and experience it to realize that you know we then wanted to to put the time in yeah right and i would say it took you know one or two times for my brother and one or two times for me to just go out and and get destroyed and get worked and then kind of realize okay time to start going to the track do you remember do you do you remember how that felt like as i mean again we're talking a long time ago as a munchkin but you you had you guys had the ego of we are good. We know what we're doing. Could you even fathom what was happening at the time? Like I can't believe this. I mean, right. it starts yeah, in practice, yeah. right? You go out and practice. I mean, in '99 though, correct me if I'm wrong. We're not seeing any live timing. No, right? So you you know only by the fact that, and I love this phrase: you're getting passed more than you're doing the passing. Right? That kind of tells you, hmm, I need to find a little something. What's that do to your, I mean, you just said, we need to get out, we need to practice, but we talk about plateaus and people having a hard time. Does that happen to you at all, or does it just build a fire? Uh, I think it built a fire. Yeah. For sure. And what was really cool was in that year, in, in 2000, uh, another track, we'll call it, got discovered in Colorado. So somebody had built a track, middle of nowhere, east of Colorado Springs, in their backyard. It had probably been there for eight, ten years, but no one knew it existed. Oh, wow. And somebody went and found it, and that track actually got opened up for testing that year. And it's uh, it's actually still there today. It's called SBR Motorsports Park now. Hmm. Um, but it's a it's a super technical little bull ring, you know, half-mile racetrack that's got a ton of elevation and a good mix of corners. And so hmm. we – it was about a two-hour drive from our house, but we started going there like three to four days a week. Wow. Oh, man. Really hitting it hard. And we would just drive and drive and drive. And, and in 2000, uh, as well, a, a Scusa Mountain region started. I remember that. And so we finally got to go race at multiple racetracks. And so I think the combination of, of putting a lot, of, a lot of testing time in and 
going to, you know, four or five different racetracks. We even did a race on a road course, like a race car road course. Yeah. Like, uh, as part of Scoots Mountain region. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, so it wasn't road racing per se. It was still that same deal, even though it was a, it's what it would be it a, was road a road race. race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Those but are we, like a streets of will they have out here where they're, you know, going balls out for, Oh yeah. You know, much faster than a standard sprint track. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this, the 60 shifters at, it was a track called second Creek, um, long gone now but uh i mean the 60s were going almost 100 out there Jeez Louise. wow <laughs> oh well, my hell, God. even the um when they do the 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 gp in here mm-hmm. at the infield the auto club yeah weren't the, aren't they like the world formula still hitting like 70 something or yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah like you wouldn't that's imagine crazy. but and then especially a cadet I mean, right. yeah that's <laughs> a little yeah, body really? just going 100 miles an hour past you never seen those Christ. pictures of uh was it carnegie de felipe and cameron all those guys and in the little cadet shifters for yeah. moran just yeah hauling golly so the mountain region yeah this is where okay the first time you went and did promoted tour got your teeth kicked in all right this sucks we gotta improve this thing testing 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 mountain region Yep. Are you starting to see fruits of labor a little bit? For sure. Um, de- definitely did well that year, you know, at home. Uh, and, and we probably had, I don't know, eight to 10 kids, something like that, in the 60 class wow, at home. Solid. Um, and I think that we won pretty much all the championships in oh, 2000 wow. in the state. I think there was like two or three different series. I think we had an IKFs. Uh, it was, I think it was region 4A is what it was called, but okay. we had an IKF region get started at that uh, track that got discovered. Mm. It was called CRE at the time. Um, and so I think, yeah, we had like two or three different series that we ran, and I, I'm pretty sure we cleaned up the, the titles at home. So you literally took, like you say, it was a fire that got started, but not only that, it, it really made to where you guys started honing the craft, figuring things out. And just, again, this is all shifters. You had, you did, once, once you made the move, that was it. Yep. Got it. So that's, you're concentrating on one thing too, which doesn't hurt. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. That's neat how much expansion you got to see in the state though. Just within tracks and carding, like the Pretty industry quick. really yeah. grew. You it, know? it happened real quick. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it, it literally went from two tracks with totally different rule sets to where no one knew each other Yeah. to, you know, the, the Scusa mountain region at the time. It was actually uh, Preston Newberry's father that ran the series. Oh really? Yep. And he was the one that went out and found that other track and, uh, you know, expanded it to where I think it ran at four racetracks, right? Like we had the two tracks that already existed, the one that was found, and then we ran at that, that race car track. Wow, Man. that's crazy. You're killing it in the in the mountain region area. You're basically winning everything in that area. How's that year end? I mean, you got that. It's like, okay, well, it's starting to snow now. I guess we're done right. or move on to the next thing. Or I mean, that's what, what year did you say that was? That was again? 2000. 2000. Super Nationals. Super Nets. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's national <laughs> progression, right? Is you go, if you, if you, and you, did you end up doing the Pro Tour as well? So I did the one race that year. The one race. Pass. Because that was the mm-hmm. only one that you could do. Yep. So you guys, I mean, really went hardcore all in. Yep. And improved immensely from your first opportunity to the end of the regular season. And I went to most of the, the Promo the Tour races. Okay. Um, so your, your, your brother my was brother. running. Okay. Got it. Yep. And, we did all of the, at that time it was there was an east and a west promo though and we did all of the west ones and even some of the east ones like i remember we were down in jacksonville at one point that year and so you know i was i was there i was a part of it i was watching it and i think for me that that actually helped quite a bit as a driver is you know 
you go watch the, you know, Bobby Wilson's run and, and, uh, uh, God, what do they call it? Super pro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, and Alan Rudolph was racing yeah. and all that stuff. Right. And the, the, both the speed brothers. Um, and so I think for me being able to watch that as a participant, you know, kind of helped fuel it when I were to go to the track by myself at for home. Sure. For sure. Know? I want to go do that. I it just, it's right. a matter of Something when, not right. yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. So super nats, super so you nats. go, you again, kill it back home, go into super nats. Yep. And you said eight to 10 dudes. Uh, in your class, there's about 15 when you did the one off at Pat's. Yep. I think Supernats had 15 ish. 15. Okay. And, and, and this was, it was the only cadet category because right. at, at the time it wasn't Supercarts USA, it was Shifter Carts USA. Right. right. Like that's what it was called. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the 60 deal was a one off for Vegas and then it was a regional class. Other Where than that, are they racing in 2000? Sorry. Xplex. Was Xplex. Okay. okay. Got Xplex. it. Xplex. Yep. Yeah, so we rolled in and actually had probably realistic expectations for the race. <laughs> First, um, no, you're no. rolling up to the track like this one feels different. <laughs> Maybe we'll you know <laughs> lower the standard. <laughs> yeah, I I think with that one we just you know we just wanted to race it and wanted to to see what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I qualified oh p six ish somewhere in there, uh, kind of. I'll call it floundered around through the heats. Uh, had the uh, first heat was good. I think quick time and got up to third. Second heat crashed. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I sat the third heat out because like my finger was the size of a tennis ball. Oh, wow. And it was on the, the, the shift hand. Oh man. Perfect. Um, I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened through the heats. I remember we started the final P6. Is it the same idea they have now where you you start where you qualified the entire time? Same format. Got it. Okay. Same format. And, you know, luckily the class was small, right? So, like, yeah, even if you're in the back. Yeah, you can go crash in one of the heat races. And, you know, maybe I did the third heat. Maybe I didn't. I don't really remember. Um, But even then, you're starting in the middle of a, a, you know, small pack, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, whole shot at the start and let every lap of the race and won the thing. So wow. the, what I'm hearing is, is try to break your finger. Yeah. Oh, but it has to be on the shift hand. You can't do it on the non Imagine how pissed everyone's being like, this guy sat out the third heat. <laughs> He's fresh. <laughs> He's got fresh tires, yeah. Oh, strategy. Wow. Well, that didn't help the ego, did it? <laughs> Jeez Bad. Louise. But to your point, you go in there with maybe some realistic, like, hey, let's, let's learn, let's experience it. Did Was that true to form as far as how you... Uh, approached it or and where i'm going with that is do you think having that kind of more chill less pressure less go get it maybe helped out in the the results well i think it i think it promotes you actually putting the work in while you're at the race uh, yeah you know like if you show up and you think that you're the greatest and you go out for the first session and you're you know 20th or 30th or well, there wasn't that many kids in my class, so right, right. let's call it 12th, right? Yeah. Right. Um, then, you know, all you do is just get down on yourself. But if you go and you just want to get better and you want to, you know, just improve every session you go on the track, then, you know, you actually can can achieve that. Having that scenario where it it's, it's not going to come to you, you need to go get it. Yeah. And have that whole mentality kind of direct how you're going to do the rest, of the rest of the event. That makes perfect sense. I would think, I mean... Jeez Louise, with the amount of talent that you know people listen to, whatever your class is, you go to a big event like that, the amount of talent in the class 
if you have that, oh, we got this, or it's going to come to us, or whatever, I think you're already setting yourself up for failure a little bit. And I, I mean, especially nowadays too, like there are, if we're talking about like KA Senior for a second, like a super dance, there's probably eight dudes that I can name off the top of my head that's could, I would say like these guys are going in with a shot at it. But even then, I think five of them, I could say, are probably like, yeah, but I got to be careful to make sure I'm staying up there, you know? Sure. Like, it's not just going to come to you. Yeah. First and foremost, you got to be in the conversation. Yeah. If you get in the conversation, then, well, it's kind of like any given Sunday, right? Some, yeah. Something's got to go your way. You got, to your to Greg's point, you got to put in the work in. Unfortunately, everything now has more than 12 people, though. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a little bit tougher. Too. Yeah. 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 I have found that out. Yeah. Since post that race. Yeah. I found that out. It so, does get harder. Well, yeah. So you out of the gate, like as a, as a cadet, it's you, obviously, you kill it in the four strokes, you move on to the shifter, eyes wide open, let's improve, and then holy shnikes, kill it all and, uh, and get super nats right out of the gate. Yeah. That was my second national race ever. And what was your encore? <laughs> i think i peaked like i think 2000 like that was it that's so funny that was it that was the peak we won all all of the races and that's that's the best that that's it, the best how it was. old were you in 2000 uh 11 11 so I did you move? i think i would have turned 12 right before supernauts did you move to juniors the next year uh actually we stayed in 60 for one more year one more year one more year was your uh brother still racing this time too yes okay was he doing pretty good what was his progression like um, I think 2000 was a bit of a, of an overall struggle for him because he was in 80 junior, mm-hmm. um, and 80 junior was a hard category. Yeah. Really hard category. And I can't remember for him if it was 2001 or 2002 when he moved to 80 senior, they did a class called K1 that was 80 senior. Mm-hmm. And that was when, when he really kind of came into his own and, and started you know, kind of doing well was in the the eighty senior stuff. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Right. But he also started late. I mean, he would have been call it twelve, thirteen years old when he started. Mm-hmm. And so he's going into Pro Tour with a year of experience in, right. in one of the hardest categories. Yeah. Right? I mean the eighty junior stuff was crazy because those things were pretty open on the engine regulations. Um and they were super fast and really lightweight and I mean they were a handful. Yeah. yeah. They were a handful. And so you, the next year, you do you do cadets again. Yep. And is it a similar scenario with the the mountain regions, the the focus, and then supernats? Did you do well? I guess there's still no pro tour option, except for a one off race here or there. Yeah, I got to race in uh, Canada. They did the Barry Grand Prix in Toronto. That was a street race, hmm. and they did the sixty class up there. So you're looking cool. any anywhere in the newspaper that's got a uh, the magazines have got a uh, a sixty cc something. <laughs> We're going. We're gonna yeah. go check it out. Hundred percent. You know, if it if it was part of the pro tour and uh, promoto tour, and they were willing to do a sixty class, then we were there. Was a Barry one a, a promoter do? It was. It was? Oh wow, promoto okay. east. Yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went up there and did that. How was that? Um, the event is unreal. How cool it was. Uh, through the streets, through the marina parking lot up through a traffic light. When you came out of the marina traffic light, you came up this hill, hit the street, and they had a first gear hairpin, right? But the, where you came up the hill, it, it flattened out across the road, and the shifters, I mean, you'd jump. Oh, like, you'd launch God. the thing off the ground. <laughs> you're six, eight inches off the ground, and when you land, you're hard on the brakes, down, you know, three, four gears to first, around the hairpin, and then down the back straight. 
Um, and if you were trying to pass somebody there, you had to pull the clutch in. Wow. Like they had two hairpins on that wow. track that were first gear. And half the time it was a clutch with first gear. Wow. Which Luckily, there's, cool. not, there's not a lot going on with your hands with the shifter. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> your Holy finger didn't snipe. swell up, did it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that later, sounds pretty cool. I think it did later because I was, I was leading by, by a pretty good amount and just KO'd the, the hay bales by oh, myself. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. Man. At this point, though, you're showing up to races. Are you showing up a little bit more confident? Like you, you know what you're capable of. You're just we're getting there. Yeah, bloody supernatural runner over here. Right? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. So you go and do that one, and not for for lack of pace or anything like that. It doesn't end strong. Well, it ended in the barriers. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you do supernats again? Yep. And how'd that go? Horribly. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, just didn't have any pace. Really? Mm. Yeah. No pace. Did you leave your pace in Toronto? I guess so. Oh my! Yeah. I guess gosh. the Haybills got it. Did you? So was that? <laughs> That's funny. Was that your your first big crash since uh, when you uh, since your that... first day? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that year. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember which year it was. I think it was that year. We were in New Mexico doing a road race. It definitely was that year. It was definitely 2001. This is this affected my supernats that year. So it was after Canada. We were down in New Mexico doing a, a road race, and I had a, a pretty gnarly flip mm. um, at 80-something miles an hour and, and blew up a collarbone. Um, and it bothered me for, for a while and definitely was, you know... Just the collarbone or the mental aspect? Uh, I think the, the, the physical side of it, yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah, because... Uh, you know, split it into a few pieces and you got to wear the big foam neck brace. I mean, on this 2001, yeah. you got to yeah. have a technology. Medical four science inch. is what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to have a four inch thick foam neck brace on, yeah, right? Like naturally. that's the only option. Um, but we missed a lot of practice time leading up to, to super Nats And then, um, you know, just being on the right side, like, you know, having to deal with the shifter and the, yeah. the G's pushing on that big old neck brace against your shoulder definitely affected me. And I think that was that was some of why we weren't quick at Supernats. But I mean, sometimes you go to Supernats and you're just not that good. Yeah, it's part of it. Right. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For <laughs> sure. So, so that doesn't go so well. Um, and that would have been your last year in the sixty. Yep. What's the plan after that? Eighties. Eighties. So yep. you, you join the uh, eighty junior game. Your brother is now doing senior. Senior. So he's bumped out. You guys haven't raced each other yet. We're, you know, we're just far enough apart on age that it took a long time. Until you get to seniors, Before yeah. we actually raced each other. So, how'd the AD Junior thing go? And it sounds like your your brother's starting to figure things out in the, a, the, the K1 deal. So, how's the uh, how's the yeah. Junior deal happen? Uh, my first year in AD Junior, um, I hit everything that you could <laughs> oh, possibly man. hit. So, you were talking about being a handful. You're talking from experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I remember 2002, we went down to Texas did a, a Promoto Tour street race in Texas, uh, hit the barriers, the hay bales, uh, hard, got ejected, you know, flew out of the go-kart. The same race, after I did that in 80 Junior, we're watching my brother race in 80 Senior, and he's leading, and he's, you know, keep in mind, they pull the lap cars off the track, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was only six or seven carts left on the track because my so brother was going so fast. He's, he's rolling. just lapping these dudes, lapping Lamb. these dudes. And then he hits the barriers, same corner that I hit him in. Oh, oh my God. Got ejected. 
Oh man, <laughs> what kind of corner was this? You guys both hit. It's called Welch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. Oh man, yeah. I think we maybe it's Colorado that gives us some weird attraction to hay bales, but you know, Jeez. maybe they should have used barriers and we would have been fine. But yeah, hay bales. Yeah, no bueno. Suck you right in. <laughs> you can do that in the feedback later they send after. <laughs> it's very inviting. Out. Very inviting hay bales. Please take the hay bales out of the racetrack. Yes. Golly. Um, so, so that doesn't go well. Are uh, you uh, Are you guys just, is it just you two and your dad? Or what's kind of the, the program? So Yeah, you guys out of the back of a pickup? You guys with the team? Or what's the deal? So my first year of 80 Junior was our first year with proper help. Okay. Um, so you guys are out of the back of the pickup essentially prior to that trailer or whatnot. Yep. Yep. So the first five, call it five years, probably, uh, you know, the three of us going to the racetrack and, and that was the the whole deal. And, uh, the 80 stuff was definitely hard enough that we needed, you know, some, some good support. So we, uh, we got linked up with Dan Ruth who ran innovative karting out of Phoenix and all the Ruths were working in one shop at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ryan was there, Curtis was there, and then the, the their dad Dan Ruth ran the shop. Um, and I mean, for example, I think it was the the same year, two thousand, that I won Supernats. Speed won, uh, Scott won on a KGB cart. Gotcha. And so we started running KGB go karts in eighty shifters uh, with Makes those sense. guys out of out of Arizona. And so we would go down during the winter, you know, once or twice a month, and just drive down there. Uh, great great track in phoenix really you know hard technical track and so we we worked with dan and he was the, the one that kind of took us from you know being decent to what i would call actually knowing what we're doing there's uh no hay bells at the, the phoenix track either correct yeah did <laughs> you guys so far. did you guys add some in just to make sure that you know how to miss them <laughs> he brought it in the trailer with the carts <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like, make it feel like home He's sleeping next to him, like <laughs> trying to get to be friends. Uh, so you you end up making this adjustment, like as you say, having help, having support with the with the Ruth guys. How does this? Uh, you said it was not. It was a tumultuous uh, start to the ADCC stuff. But how does the progression go? Yeah, um, yeah. The first year, like I say, we crashed down to Texas. Uh, I went to Supernats, ran Supernats, uh, crashed at Supernats in the LCQ. Flipped at the end of the straightaway, landed on my head, you know, that kind of fun stuff. At Jeez. some point, I feel like the the leads of Scusa are just going to ask you not to come back. Right. Like, Welch, right. do us a favor. The Start a, a team. Bit tighter every year. Start a team. The, that's what happened back then. That's why he started a team later. Yeah. Do everybody a favor. Just stay the hell out of the seat, would right. you? Man. But the, the thing for me was, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just, you know, my age or or what it was, but I got all of my crashing out of the way in 2001 and 2002. Okay. And I just crashed all the time. Like most races that we went to, I would just hit the barriers. What's your dad saying? Like, you know, are, are you guys an extremely wealthy family? Are you guys just able to piss excellence in the morning yeah. and buy go-karts left and right? Uh, you know, I was more worried about my mom than anyone else. Yeah. She was the one that almost pulled the plug on the whole good thing. God. Yeah. <laughs> For good reason. Your own well-being. God. Um, no, so starting in uh the year 2000, so our fourth year racing. Uh my dad started a company called Shockwave Karting. Oh, okay. I've heard of that. Yep. Yeah. Um and so 
my parents owned a CNC machine shop. That was what they did for a living. Uh, they started in the garage uh, when I was born in the in the 80s up in the mountains in Conifer. Wow. Um, and eventually, you know, grew the business, got the shop down in down in Denver in the city. And come 2000, uh, we just started making go-kart parts. You know, we had all the all the tools and all the equipment and everything, you know, ready to go. And my dad was definitely frustrated with some of the quality of some of the items that he was getting. And um, how often he had to buy them. And probably <laughs> how often he had to buy them. Um, trying and, to pump those parts out to keep up with you guys. That's why. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, we were we were we were making our own components, and that was another reason that we really enjoyed the the KGB deal with Dan Ruth was because we started making a lot of parts uh, that came on the go karts, uh-huh. the KGB go karts when they were sold new. Gotcha. So, like, we would manufacture the. We were primarily known for our axles originally, mm-hmm. um, but we'd make all the axles and the bearing cassettes and front spindles and all that stuff that went in the the KGB carts for a few years there. Hmm. And you obviously were in, in control of all the crash testing. 100%. Yeah. That's the last <laughs> crash joke I'm going to make. Okay. <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. I had to use it. So uh, that actually works out really well, right? Because it's there is a way for your carting to feed the carting, if you will. Yeah. And I mean, I basically ran, you know, both my brother and I, we basically ran all of the cosmetically defective parts that were at the shop. Yeah. There you go. You know, you, you turn a, a hub out and it's still, got some chatter on the outside yeah. and it's ugly and you can't sell it. Well, still works. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what's on my cart. Perfect. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, we're literally taking what, what you can't sell, what you'd throw away or recycle or whatever. And that's what we're running. I mean, it mechanically, it's, Perfect. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's the yeah. same, and it still mm-hmm. saves you guys the the money to do it. Never mind sales, etc. This is actually a part that you didn't have to buy. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. So you guys, you're moving on through the the uh, the junior deal. Do you find success again uh, in some of these bigger races or supernats as you're as you're going through the juniors? I never found any success in junior. Yeah. None. So and again, just going back to it being a handful of challenge. I assume you improved as as the years went on. What was the maybe the big takeaway there before you move on to seniors? You know, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure why we never never quite had it in the the junior eighty stuff. I mean, the go kart was a, it was a handful. I mean, thirty seven, thirty eight horsepower out of an eighty, uh, three hundred twenty pounds with a rear brake on it. Like it was a crazy go kart to drive. Yeah. Um, because they weren't doing front brakes until you got to seniors, right? Correct. Yeah, correct. And you know, I also raced against a lot of the. Like there were some big names that came through eighty at that point in time that potentially I just wasn't as good as them. I we, mean, we'll, dare we'll, I say it? We'll delete that from the. the, the <laughs> dare I say it? <laughs> um, like Alan Shudo was there, and Ryan Finney was there, and Cole Witt was there, and um, like there was a lot of, of really fast guys in that class. Yeah. Um, and I think size wise, I also wasn't ideal because mm-hmm. I'm like a giraffe. Were you uh, giraffing <laughs> at that point already? Yeah, in my sixties, uh, we were cutting the 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 front bar off of the front of the go kart and extending it like four inches and building a floor tray in front oh, to get me to fit in the in the cadet. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> so, so it was a problem already at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, juniors basically be stricken from the record. Greg Welch went from <laughs> one year of cadets took about five years off, and then went straight to seniors. That's yeah. the story I think we should tell. 
I think so. Yeah. All right. So seniors. <laughs> <laughs> so you, juniors, uh, we the entire thing is is challenging for you. Uh, you'd mentioned that the cart being fast, uh, challenging for you, et cetera. Maybe not fitting as well in the cadets, all kinds of different things. But moving on to seniors, I presume we uh, – do we do the same thing your brother did with the 80 senior program, or are we doing 125s? I went straight to ICC. Again, I don't know why I'm surprised. Uh, holy shnikes. This is just, uh, one big moving target of a story, ain't it? <laughs> Going straight to... So, what year is that? Mike's uh, drained. Yeah. He's drained, trying to keep up. How, how long have we been doing this? Uh, I feel like it would have been 2004. 2004. Is this... I think I, I only did two years, because I stayed in cadets long. Mm-hmm. So I think I only did two years of junior. Got the hell out of so Dodge as soon as we could. Yeah. yeah, we had to get that out of just... And were you sticking with the shifter just because it was promoter tour at the time? I, yeah. and, and well, God, at this point, he's got more experience in a shifter than he does anything else. Right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and it, the shifter stuff at home was really good. Right. Like, that was the primary thing in Colorado was, was still shifter carts. Gotcha. Mm. So you move on to the ICC, and, uh, oh, man, it was... Stars of Carding going on? I believe Stars of Carding is happening in, in, in 2004. It may have. I didn't... And they're doing ICC. I didn't do any Stars until I was in single speed, which so, was a okay, few so years you did do down the road. road. Well, and where I'm going with that is what are you running and why the adjustment to ICC? So you don't do Stars, although that that's a thing. And ICC is not the primary thing for, for Scusa. So, and I don't think it's a Tom game yet, is it? 2004? No. Mm-hmm. no. Right? So in the they had two shifter sh- two shifter classes that ran at the Promoto that year. They had Super Pro and S one. Mm. S one was what they called the semi pro, and then Super Pro is you know mm-hmm. some elevated version above S one. <laughs> Super Pro and Greg Welch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know I was fifteen or or just turned fifteen or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we we weren't into Super Pro the first year. Why um, did you guys make that jump, bud? Why why did you go to ICC? Because you guys have been doing the the Honda stuff, yep. all the way through. So why? Yep. Well, it was a Kawasaki for the sixty. Get you get it right. I Come apologize. Right. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that was the first year of the ICC in the U.S. Okay. And they ran it in both S1 and in Super Pro together with the Honda. Oh. And so the Honda was pretty open at that point in time. Um, and I'd been driving my brother's 125 because he had, you know, done a couple years at 80 Senior and then moved into, he was racing Super Pro. Gotcha. And we actually bought one of Joe Janowski's old Sweet Tech engines. And the thing was just like a, like you like rip trees out of the ground with that thing. Like wow. it was, it was ridiculous. It thing would do a wheelie off the start <laughs> line. Um, and at the time, the Hondas actually were making more power. But they were a little bit more difficult to deal with, and the rev range was shorter than the ICC. Gotcha. And so the ICC kind of pulled out as being, you know, a more competitive engine. Um, we should have stuck with the Honda stuff because you were allowed to, like, machine the cylinder heads and change the shape of the cylinder head, and you could machine the, the cylinders themselves. And being you a could machine, machine the shop, cases. you guys could have gotten we, creative. We were doing everything in the shop, like ourselves, you know? We had brass... Brass cylinder heads, uh, and the top of the cylinder was what had a brass insert in it. We'd machine the top of the cylinder head out, put a brass insert in there, because then when the thing would detonate and try to explode, you just pop the insert out, put a new insert in, 
and you don't lose your cylinder, you know? And then we could make seven or eight different profiles of cylinder head. And it was an insert that you popped into the actual cylinder head, you know? So like we should have stayed with that because, I mean, we we were good at it. You know, my dad was building, you know, building the engines and, and yeah, I don't know why we ever chose to go ICC, but it, I mean, it was short lived, but uh, it, it started off decently well. What was the, the first foray into the ICC stuff? Uh, Pro Moto Tour at Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Mm. And the East Race then? Yep. Yep. And first race of the year, you know, the West stuff got started a few months after the East Coast stuff. Were you going to run the entire East, or was this going to be like kind of a test and tune for the West? I think we were. Primarily running east. Oh, really? Okay. Um, because that that Canada race was just way too cool. Okay. Um, plus, I think the east stuff just fit a little bit better with our local schedule. Uh, gotcha. Because you know, at, keep in mind at this time, Shockwave is still developing and building and growing as a company, and so our focus has to stay local, local, yeah. to some extent, yeah. right? Like we so want to like, be national, but yeah. we have to sell to yeah. our local clients makes sense yeah so instead of we're going for national championships first and foremost it's we're building a business first and foremost and right yeah gregory can go over here and do some things on the east coast from right. time to time yeah. right and don't worry there's there's not many more hay bales in the story <laughs> from here on out um but i remember jacksonville we were s- like super super fast uh top you know two or three pace in uh s1 and probably quick enough to run like you know, fifth to eighth or something in, in the super pro class. Was your brother also in a ICC as well? He wasn't at that race. Oh. Don't know why. Uh, that might have been the year he went to college. Okay. Um, and are you guys still staying out of the same class on purpose? We, st- we still hadn't run in the same class. Interesting. I think that was the year he went to college. Okay. Because he's three and a half years older, if I was 15, that, yeah. that would put oh, him in yeah. college. Care of the one. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that would put him in college. Um. But we blew up an engine on Friday, and we blew up our backup engine on Saturday. Oh, my God. And TS Racing was kind enough to, like, drive to their shop, get us an engine, because they, they were the importers for, I think we ran the CRS ICC, mm-hmm. was the brand of it. And Do you know why they both blew? Was it- driving too fast, obviously. I'd say, like, was it a user error? Did, did the... <laughs> You do you know, have to just, shift. Did they have a, a shit make that time? I don't I, know. So I don't think the CRS was any good. Uh, um, not saying that, you know, I couldn't uh, spike the downshift or, you know, we had the carburetion wrong or whatever. But the CRS, uh, as we found over the next six months, was just not very good. Mm. Reliability-wise? Reliability-wise. Yeah. Had great power, but they didn't hold up. Mm. And so... And you guys are spinning those guys, too. Are, are we talking... 14 yeah. mid 14s on upshifts you know mid 15s yeah on the downshift man yeah i mean that's and a lot and, for a shifter and aren't the cc's living in that range the iccs are always hanging out high rpm shifts if i yeah and i'm i don't know i don't do yep. that so yep yeah i mean they don't make anything under 11 or 12 yeah. like nothing so you're always just spinning them that's why they always sound cool though yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> instead of the bar bar yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was first senior race. We were running third, last lap, end of the back straight, engine let go, the borrowed one. So we blew up three three motors in one weekend. It's Jeez. an expensive weekend. Yeah. And these aren't just inserts we're swapping out. No. Yeah. 
No. Hey, hey, hey. And that was pretty much the same story for the first like four months of the year. Holy shit. Every wow. race we'd go to, we would just grenade these CRS engines. Um, and that was when we moved to single speed. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. now that's interesting. Why not make the move just back to what you did before? Why would you go to single speed? You all, I mean, aside from the four strokes when you're a munchkin, you obviously are a good shifter pilot. Right. WTF, mate. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're starting to do many things that don't make a lot of sense, right? Everything you've done so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know what it what it what it honestly was was that ICC program that we did for you know five or six months was so astronomically expensive that my dad basically just said, "Look, like we're gonna sell all this stuff. We can buy a couple of Rotax engines because Rotax was still relatively new." Mm-hmm. He's like, "I know that this is an engine that we won't have to rebuild the entire year, and we can stay at home and we can race the local races if you guys want to keep racing. Other yeah. than that, we're done." Aha, uh-huh. there like, it is. Because it was, it was a, a big, big financial... Bar- I mean, we probably killed $100,000 worth of engines in six months. Schnikes. And my dad's like, yeah, that was what I had for both of you idiots for the yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, <laughs> it was only you blowing And now your brother other- can go to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Luckily, he was smart enough to get scholarships. I was gonna- there you go. <laughs> but he's, he's, off, he's off in college, getting education, comes back. Hey, I'm ready to go racing again. Yeah, so about yeah. the racing program. <laughs> it folded so, up. Oh, Gregory uh, <laughs> did a number on everything. So I'm pretty sure that he got to race the ICCs either once or twice because we, we still were running Scusa Mountain Region, and there still was a good you know senior shifter category in, in the state. So my brother comes home you know April or May or whatever from school, and he gets to go do this race, and he yarded one. Oh. <laughs> Greg, like, told you. Yeah. I'm like, see, it wasn't just me. I was going to say, was there, um, was there a plan beyond karting? I mean, obviously, you guys are trying to grow your business, but were cars ever on the thought for you, or you just wanted to keep climbing the ladder and, and karting? So, climbing the ladder, shit, he was at the top, technically. Oh, fair. You know, he's pro tour national. You know, there's not really right, a higher yeah. level than that. That's right. a good point. So, I mean, Let's be real, right? Like, which kid racing go-karts doesn't want to be a race car driver? Yeah. Right? Like, that's a real thing. But I was, I had to be realistic about it because it did turn into the family business. Mm-hmm. Because my dad started kind of transitioning away from his general job shop manufacturing and focusing more on go-karts come, mm-hmm. like, 2006 to 2008. And so... You know, it it just kind of became, you know, by the time I was was in seniors, 16, 17 years old, I mean, that my focus was on helping them with the business. Right. 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 And obviously racing and being a teenager and, you know, screwing around and that kind of stuff definitely was still prevalent. Right. Um, But, you know, the focus was just like, well, this is this is what we do. Like, this is what we do for a living. This is this is what we do. And so and again, with the, you know, the option of don't race or race right. this well, right I'm gonna go race this thing yeah for sure so you guys make that transition to the rotax stuff to the single speed uh 125s still but it, you said it was growing in colorado at the time was there as much to to do racing wise in that area with that particular package so there was um the the class was Probably about the same size, but it was primarily it was a tag class. 
Oh, the mixtures, so, yeah. So, you know, Rotex Leopards, International was a yeah. thing, but then you had the mix of all the tags. Yep, yeah. Yep. So, you know, we had the Sonics. Um, one of the racetracks at home imported that four cycle engine called the Vampire. Oh, God. I don't know if you ever That's saw one of those. Back uh-huh. Right there, boy. And the I think before the Vampire, it was the Beeland yeah, SA250. Beeland for sure. I swear I saw a thing about a vampire in the like the back of Go Racing magazine once. Probably. It's like a one-page ad. I remember it being blue, <laughs> like blue writing. It's funny how those little images stick out, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. For those of you playing the at-home game, it didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it beyond the, the, the you telling it right there and me remembering right. an ad, but that's crazy. Right. And um, I think that the, the tag class at home was full of newer people, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'd spent the last you know, five, six years racing outside of the state. Sure. That was one of Dan Ruth's big things with uh, with Innovative was you quit club racing, you don't do it, you go test at some other racetrack the same weekend, and, you know, you only race these big races. Um, you know, because we, like, we've, we've realistically got a budget, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like everyone does. And for us, it was, if we were going to do club racing, then we couldn't do as many national events. So we cut it. Sure. Did the testing so yeah. we could do more big races. So we kind of show up, um, you know, to this single speed deal, having never driven one before, but also keep in mind that they allowed front brakes on Rotax Senior at that point. Oh, yeah. That was short lived. <laughs> I remember that though. And it was, yeah, right around that same time because uh, the Black Flag team yep. was linked up with G Factory. I think it was G Factory. And so they were doing sodies because I started racing in 2006 mm-hmm. for that team or for that team. I was paying. Uh, you were with, on the team with that. You team. had a shirt, <laughs> but I um, I did get a a shirt. Yeah, oh, nice. um, yeah, it like, still fits. I pretty, it really does not. Uh, the yeah, but I remember Aaron Nelton was racing for him, and uh, he was doing stars at that time. And they would uh, and it was a handbrake, a hand controlled oh, front okay. brake. And it would murder, murder people because you had the ability to you know, break deep, but then just lock the bitch down, and you could outbreak people from yesterday. It I was remember crazy uh, stuff when the one seventy five. And in the wet, it was dumb. Oh, I yeah. know. I know the one seventy five here in the tag. Um, for the few moments it was around, uh, Irving Travis Irving put that on his on his comp card, I think. And uh, I was like, "What the shit is that?" He's got this little pedal up there. And Why I is there a going, clutch on here? Yeah, I see him going in the corner. I'm like, holy shit. Because yeah. I had never seen a handbrake like that before up until that point. But that uh, I see why they're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, you know? just a stupid, stupid advantage. <laughs> yeah. and, not, and not everybody had them, if I remember correctly. So in, in the tag stuff and in the Rotax stuff, it was foot foot operated only uh-huh. that was legal. Um, it was the, I think the KF stuff is where they came out with that handbrake for. Yeah. 100 CC, the ICAs. Yeah. Um, that's what Nelton was running at Stars. Yeah. And I've definitely, you know, I had one that I would go play around with, one of those handbrake. I bought, I had it recently. Um, and they're amazing. But yeah, I mean, we were racing, you know, senior Rotax, Rotax International is what they called it, mm-hmm. or or the tag class. But we generally ran front brakes on the go kart. Wow. That's what I was used to. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from the shifter stuff, like that's just, and yeah, when it would rain, it would, good night. It's not even fair. Yeah. You know, everyone's walking around the pits. Hey, you know anyone that's got a, a front brake kit? They can sell me. Yeah. Just throw it on, and it would be expensive. <laughs> yeah. The whole hubs and everything. Jeez Louise. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you have um, a lot of experience in the rain up there? Was it pretty normal occurrence? 
I would say largely no. Um, I, I seem to remember myself being terrible in the rain until I got my driver's license and I'd go to the track every time it rained. Um, mm. Rectify that problem. You know, yeah, nice. like, cause I was working, I was working at Shockwave. I was assembling go-karts cause it would have been probably 2006 ish. We came out with our own go-kart. Oh no shit. Yep. What was it called? Shockwave. How did you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely the natural progression. Like we've been making, you know, manufacturing components for six years, five years, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it was. And uh, like I say, my parents were kind of transitioning out of general job shop work and focusing more on the the carting side of things. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you have your own chassis line, then your components are the OEM. Yep. Right. Because that was something we started to fight with. Uh, I, I remember Tony Kart specifically was, you know, guys wanted to run OEM components only. Um, whereas before kind of that rise of Tony Kart, it was just common. You know, I mean, think about Track Magic and, and brands like that, right? Like aftermarket was what you did, especially in the shifter cart stuff. You, were you, had you made the transition from KGB? How, uh, how long did you do that? So we, we, we worked with Innovative and Dan for four-ish years, and I think it would have been probably 2006-ish is when the Shockwave go-kart actually came out. Gotcha. Um, and we were not fabricators. We can't weld things. I, to this day, I'm still not a good welder. <laughs> um, decent on a, on a milling machine, but still horrible with a welder. And so we were we were purchasing frames from Italy, uh, uh, completely like no paint even, wow. right? Completely bare frames from Italy. We were manufacturing as many parts as humanly possible, and then purchasing as many parts as we could that were made in the United States to uh, build the go karts. Right. Who was all doing the the building? Um. So my my dad and brother did all of the design work. Mm-hmm. So they would design all the products, you know, and we'd manufacture the products in-house. And I was the one that assembled all the go-karts. Is that Man. including the design of the chassis? Or did you use a, quote, stock design or, or knock off something else? Probably our third or fourth year, we started designing our own go-karts. What were you doing before then? Is there like a a la carte uh, deal that they have? No pun intended. Right, like, yeah, like, yeah. A, like an EKS will make whatever you write, that kind of deal. Right. But was there something they already had that you could snag like how does that work so the first the first batch of go-karts we did were made by a company called rakema which was mike wilson's company which also made the krt oh wow okay and so the 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 krt cadet the nervoso cadet and the shockwave cadet were very close to the same got it um and then by probably our second year we had changed the design and so everyone's design was just a little bit different mm-hmm. but the one thing in common for sure in the cadet stuff was that your go-kart had a shockwave axle in the back of it oh yeah oh neat nice. like stars of karting 2005 2006 comer 80 stuff if you didn't have a shockwave vs or a shockwave us you just weren't at the front and that really? was like across all the brands. He's still putting wow. them in his cadets now. Yeah. I have some. <laughs> yeah, I, still, I still have them. Some old stock in the back. I like that. So you make the transition over to the Rotax thing, and uh, you're staying local. You're doing those kinds of things. Or are you still doing some traveling with uh, with the single-speed stuff? That f- that first year, uh, we we didn't leave. 
Okay. You know, kept we it, kept it close. Yeah, we we blew our wad on the ICC program, mm-hmm. and for the next you know six months of the year or whatever it was, we stayed at home. Yeah, exclusively. And did you do pretty well? With the, I mean, we talk about the front breaks and things like that, but I mean, you Were took you able to it pretty quick. It out? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, like I say, I think the shifter class at home was super strong, and the tag class was was a lot of relatively new people mm-hmm. because we generally were on pole by half second or okay. so. Mm-hmm. So you had everybody on experience, even though you're okay. I think you, so. You're making the adjustment to not having gears, but you still know how to bloody take a course. Right. So the first year, you just do what you probably should have done. It, how does it go after that? Um, well, I think. Uh, we started running... Um, like more of the Rotax specific national stuff. So we'd run like, you know, the U S grand nationals and, and those kinds of races. And I never, I don't think I ever actually won a big race in single speed, but I was always either close or there. I, I like to break a lot of things. I don't know if that's becoming a trend yet. <laughs> Did you just feel the need for not maybe wrecking into bales and whole go-karts, but instead smaller components? A throttle um, cable here, a valve stem there, th- this yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like I had a I had a pretty much locked up podium going on at the Shano Rotax Grands. Uh, either either a win or a second, right? But realistically, it was going to be a second. Area we met was super fast that weekend, um, and the throttle cable took us out of it, Ugh. right? Oh man! Um, so you know, we we had some little you stuff like that happen. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you it's jinxed the, it. <laughs> I went back in time, yeah. made sure it happened. Um, but we also started doing the stars of karting. And when we got in the stars of karting, we were running the spec racer class, which was leopards. Got it. Miami leopards. So wait, what year was that? Six, five, six. So right around the same time. It's, yeah. So you, you do the one year at home and then. I think it was four was the year that we blew up all the engines and then stayed at home. And I think by five, we were back out. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You guys had made enough money back on all the shockwave stuff. So <laughs> yeah. And you're not blowing things up. So it's actually a double win. Right. So you end up doing the stars thing and you said you're towards the front of these different things. And because you're still a senior now, I mean, well, actually probably move into the masters if you'd like, but you're, you're able to do these different, uh, single speed stuff you said no big race wins or anything like that and in, in seniors altogether not in this in the single speed stuff like we'd have you know a podium at at utah in this back racer class uh i think we finished like third or fourth i think it was fourth out of florida winter tour uh in rotax international so there was like 75 go-karts in yeah. the class right so that's you're in the conversation that's pretty crazy you may not have the dub next to your name right. but greg welch was in the conversation at the, at the for sure end. got it for sure and what was the, do we hit Supernats again? Do we start going down that path again? Yeah, so I ran, um, I think the only year of Supernats that I have not been to since the first one I did as either a driver or a mechanic was the year that Michael Schumacher was there. Mm. Other than that, I've been that to all That was my first year. Not as a driver for that, but I did the Machismo in 2009. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've raced from 2000 to 2008 at Supernats. And, and then took 2009 off and then 10 on. I've been there as a mechanic or a team owner or whatever. And from as soon as you made the switch to sh- from shifters, it's been single speed all the way through. So I think I did two years of Supernats and single speed. They had a tag class at Sam Boyd Stadium. Uh, God, the Havels aren't over. I just remember. Oh, oh man. Oh, <laughs> God. So we're at, we're at Sam Boyd. 
<clears throat> super, super, super fast in practice. Tag senior. Uh, we were running a Rotax. Is this back when you could do one of like three or four different engines yep. over there? Yep. Um, and just full of confidence, you know. So qualifying rolls around and I'm like, we're going out first. You know, we've been up top in a few practice sessions or whatever. And I'm like, this is the year. Like, we're going to go pull this thing. I don't want any drama. We're going out first. Yeah. Roll into the S's and just nail the hay bales. Outlap. Oh, oh good dude. God. <laughs> Snap a tie rod. So you, know, you didn't qualify good? Didn't qualify. <laughs> just period. You didn't End qualify it. good? <laughs> End the story there. Oh, my God. So, so you, what was it like? So you won that year is what you're saying? I think, you know, I think I finished sixth or seventh or oh, something. Really? Oh, really? By the time nice. the final rolled around. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's stout. <laughs> Did your dad have chats with you? Be like, dude. What I think a doing? lot of them. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Greg, are you you are bad for business is basically how the conversation went. Yeah. You are very bad for our business. <laughs> you became Great. a hell of a mechanic, though. <laughs> yeah, he had to. He had to because his dad probably quit. He saw your speed on the wrenches. He's like, holy crap, we got some. Yeah, you thought about starting your own business. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Golly. That is... That's tough. That's that's tough for me to hear at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I try to blank these things from my memory. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what we like to do up here at the FCP is just remind you <laughs> of all your faults. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus criminy. So so it was it was late two thousand five. Uh this new shifter deal started coming around. Uh called Stock Honda. Right? Like we hadn't run Stock Honda. No, it been it didn't exist. Open, yeah. get after it the entire time. And so my dad was actually one of the guys, kind of driving it and helping put it together. Um, the original like head template tools were made in the Shockwave shop. Okay, just because you know, like we had the the machining capabilities to manufacture these tech tools, and so we made a large majority of the tech tools work together with like Marty Casey and you know some of these other guys to to kind of structure this stock Honda deal. I mean, how did that come about? You know, we always wanted to get back into shifter, but it was a it was a one hundred percent budgetary constraint as to mm-hmm. why we didn't. You know, um, the ICCs were out of control. The Honda stuff, if you wanted it to run with an ICC, it was out of control. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. You know, and so it was time for a better option for shifter. Certainly more affordable. Yeah. Yeah. And so at that time, correct me if I'm wrong, you've got the ICCs are running predominantly at Stars. Yep. Right? I that's believe their, still in Scusa too. That's their marquee mm-hmm. deal. And then it's happening at Scusa, but there's maybe there's writing on the wall going on right now about how out of control certain things are, et cetera. Or perhaps I'd love to get, you know, maybe you and maybe you know, is there are are there numbers starting to take a swing? Is there any kind of adjustment uh to to those kind of deals? Like, for instance, that's what happened with a lot of different classes when they plug in, it's like, oh, we are losing numbers. We need to do something different to make yeah. to make this thing yeah. improve. And that's what was happening was people were getting out of shifter and going to single speed. Because of the cost. Because of the cost. You know? Yeah. And so it was like, all right, how can we bring the cost down on shifters? Yep. Well, quote, stock Honda. Yep. Got it. And you guys ended up being a part of it because of the and building tech tools, et cetera. Yep. How, 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 you say your dad was a big proponent of that or part of how that built up how did he get that opportunity you know he uh my dad talked a lot for sure <laughs> he uh he was he was super involved he was super engaged um he was also probably a little too political at times <laughs> <laughs> within the carding yeah, world right? right but um i mean he would you know he's he's in the industry we're we're manufacturing go-karts and you know we're 
manufacturing components and we've got a couple hundred dealers that are selling the component line across the US. So he's he's definitely, you know, got his finger in everything and knows sure. everyone. And so I think that I think it was just a natural thing, you know. Those guys were looking for someone to to help with the the technical side of it and he was just a natural fit. Yeah. And obviously you guys had roots, if you will, in the shifted game. For sure. So it wasn't out of the the realm of possibility. For sure. So you start do you start going down the path of, of racing yep. shifters again? Yep. As we bought a bought a, you know, ninety nine spec Honda and back to shifters we went. And I actually I raced both at the local level. And there was even a few years, like two thousand six, I raced Rotax International and Stock Honda Shifter at Florida Winter Tour. Oh really? Whoa. Both. Wow. Yep. What did you like more? You know, I personally I like driving and racing a single speed more than the shifter. Yeah. Why is that? I I personally I feel like it's harder. And I know that that you know, people may not may not like that one. Some of the shifter guys may not like that one, but I just think that that um that level of perfection that you have to drive a tag cart with is is hard. Yeah. You know, you make one mistake, it's five spots, not an extra gear. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I agree with you on that. I think shifter especially with some of the current guys driving it, it's probably elevated uh, now than, than it was when I was running it. But Or maybe it's just because I was successful in shifter that I enjoyed the challenge of, of the single speed stuff more. Okay. Like maybe it was that simple, right? Is I was good at driving a shifter, so I wanted to you know, do better at driving this other thing. But I just always enjoyed the single speed stuff more. Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you go to Florida Winter Tour and you start doing a little double duty. Something that we don't see at all really i mean it's, it it has happened over the years but you it's don't read way, about a lot really of rare now outside of some of the younger kids or jeremy fletchers or some of these other right. guys who are doing like 100 cc and an x30 you know the morgans i mean there's plenty of them there's a ton of people have done it, usually of the younger variety um i mean hey i've done double duty before tim myers done double duty with the master stuff but it's pretty damn rare yeah especially in senior at a very high level and we're talking shifter and and Rotax International. When you went and did double duty, how did it? Did it, were you able to do well in both classes? Uh, we were we were decent in Rotax. I don't think we finished. You know, unless unless there was a, a DNF or something, I don't think we finished outside of the top ten. Okay. And I don't think we ever got the podium. Okay. Uh, shifter, we won. Oh, really? Mm. So it didn't hurt the shifter game at all. Like a couple years off of shifter, straight back into it, stock Honda and. Um, did did really well at the the Florida stuff. Wow. Were you happy with the Honda? Like I liked you, it. You jumped in it and you thought it was a good package. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Not as uh, well, again. It goes back to you were because you had driven the open style with the with the eighties and things like that. Yep. And you done the ICCs, which as you had mentioned, you drive them differently. But then you go to the stock Honda deal, and it was more quote tame. Is that a way For of sure. putting it? Yeah. For sure. Um, it felt more, I don't know. It, it, I think, I think that was where the single speed driving started to pay off. Really? Because the, like the, especially the built motos, but even then into the the first generation ICCs, I mean, they were, they were so quick that it was really a stop and go kind of driving Point style. Shoot. Yeah. And so then you spend a couple of years driving a single speed card around and the, the Honda, you know, especially the early spec Hondas you know, with the 99 cylinders, not the 01s, and they didn't have the rev range the 01s have. They didn't have as much power. 
Um, and so I think that was something that the single speed stuff really came into play. You had to actually roll some corner speed. and Right. You know. I know that's what John Crow has mentioned. Not just the the two hundred six advantage, but just being a tag driver. Yeah, you know, attacking the corner a little bit differently. Yeah, you yep. know, carrying the the corners a little bit more instead of the point and shoot. And he's good at both. But I mean, mm-hmm. he, what he was able to take well, from he's the okay singles, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, he's able to snag from the single speed stuff <laughs> or, or the slower stuff with the momentum and things like that too. Yep. So you win Florida Winter Tour races championship did you do the whole season over there the, the winter championship we ran the first two rounds so which is four races right so the first two call it weekends right uh we didn't have the cash to go to the third one get out and i finished third in the championship did you win mm-hmm. four races three you won three out of four yeah and i broke in the other one or crashed or something Hey, ben. let's go with bro yeah <laughs> i think we'll give bro. you the benefit out on broke you've <laughs> been pretty honest up oh, till this point man so um, that was close Aside from the Supernats and locals, it, no other championships elsewhere. Some some strong finishes, some podiums, some hardware, but no championships. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, what was the the team like right now? Was it just primarily you? Did you have customers that traveled with you guys? Were you an actual team or yeah, mostly just a shop? Exactly that. Yeah. So we were more so um, a shop and a manufacturer than we were a race team. Mm. And so when we go to a race like this, you know, I think that year at Florida, we had maybe one or two customers with us. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, typically cadet kids like Nick Neary and Cody Humphreys. And um, like we would generally just have a, a couple cadet guys with us. Cadet was kind of our specialty as a manufacturer. And were you running shockwaves yourself as well? Yes. All the way. So all this is your, your own stuff. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Um, but for the most part, you know, my brother's in college. And so this was, this was just my dad and I are going go-kart racing. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no other affiliation really. Um, you know, maybe some guys that help us out for sure. But for the most part, it was just like the two of us going racing. Right. Could use a third person to be able to get that last week in Florida winter tour there. (laughs) Good golly. (laughs) Yeah. That one was a tough one. It was just, you know, it was it's all good. It's like, okay, cool. We can't do it. I guess we're, guess we're not doing it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. It is what it is. Right. Um, but I mean, the, you still showed how good you were, you know, that yeah. weekend. And probably the, the coolest race that I've ever done as a driver was at Homestead that year at winter tour. We went to start the engine for qualifying and actually a little chunk had fallen out of the piston, ran fine in morning warm up, go to start it for qualifying, no compression. There's a little piece of the piston sitting in the exhaust pipe. And so oh, we don't quali- we don't qualify at all. Thirty two go karts in the class, and we won the heat race. Wow! So like that was like probably the coolest one. Yeah, <laughs> holy shnikes. That's he doesn't mention the penalties, but yeah, he crossed the line first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're just, just blue flagging him. Like, yeah. Get the hell out of the dodge. God. Greg's on his way through, boys. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Well, that's gonna be. I mean, nobody wants to have a bad quality. Nobody wants to be in the back or whatever. But I think we can all agree that some of our favorite races are the ones where we've passed yes, everybody, sure. you know? And even if you finished 8th, ninth, 10th, like, no one's going to remember this on the charts. Right. But I passed so many people. It was so <laughs> fun. Absolutely. And I, I will say, if, if I have to pick between starting a single speed race or a shifter race in the back, I'm choosing a shifter I 10 believe times it. out yeah. of 10. I believe it. You have so much more opportunity to make grid spots up at the start i believe yeah, yeah. if you never mind just your ability on the start for yeah. one. Oh my god yeah the start you could 
you know, if, six, eight guys maybe. If you're good enough at the starts, you can go a long way. So yeah. But, yeah. So that's what happened. He got, you know, 31 of them on the start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So so you, you're doing the, the single speed stuff, moving to the shifter thing, and we're talking, you said 2006. Yep. It, what's the game plan from six for the next decade or so? Are you just, you said, was it 2009 you started switching over to the mechanic thing a little bit more? So, Supernets anyways. Right. So six is when I graduated high school. Uh-huh. And so at that point, um, I definitely, my da- you know, my dad's just kind of of the opinion that, you know, we're not doing as much with you, right? Like you're old enough, go get a job, et cetera. Okay. And I actually worked for him and I worked for him for a long time. I worked for, you know, both my parents, they ran the shop together. Was school in the cars? Uh, I went for a couple months. <laughs> it's, it looked like it was going to see. Woo, woo, yeah, woo, woo, <laughs> not much different from what I did. Don't worry. <laughs> so school wasn't your school wasn't the gig. thing. Yeah, nope. And the, the the box had already been checked for the fam. You know, your yep. brother did it. You know, he took one for the team. Went to they the had the favorite game. son already picked. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. <laughs> it was clear. Yeah. Yeah. That one still exists. But you got yeah. employee of the month. <laughs> yeah, you got the son of the year for life or employee of the month for you. Two. Yeah. yeah, it's it's funny that you say that because my dad did fire my brother. Oh, oh no way. yeah, real thing. Wow, well, sucks to suck sometimes. I guess. Yeah, it does. <laughs> oh god. Well, although technically, he did fire you from the racing. Couldn't so, afford any more chassis, parts, so come, et cetera. Come 2006, we, he still had me race, but I primarily raced in Colorado. Okay. Again, more of the biz program, right? Correct. So it was like, you need to go out and win races and coach drivers. That's what you need to do. Yeah. It, are you guys really expanding from the shop aspect to the team aspect and kind yes. of now having your own tent, et cetera? Yep. So like- okay. That time, 2006, 2007, that's when we started to build like a at least a local program with customers. We started to build a team. And this is all Shockwave. All Shockwave. That, that's, the, that's the name. That's the, the yep. whole brand. Yep. And, and like I say, it was all of our products. At this point, we were probably using Paralin for the manufacturing, um, but we did eventually end up doing our manufacturing in the U.S. as well. Oh, wow. And that would have been somewhere in that era, 2006, eight. Okay. Somewhere in there is when we started making the go-karts here. Mm. Um, and we would do a little bit of travel stuff with our customers, primarily Rotax. You know, Rotax Grand Nationals. They did, like, the Rotax summer shootout regional stuff. Uh, and so we would go do all that. And then I would get to race Supernats every year. Okay. But pretty much for my racing, it was all the local stuff and Supernats. So, be, you know, staying sharp, you're helping the team out, yep. and then you go get a a chance out at the big shot at the end. Yep. And right. and at a local race, I would normally run like the tag cart, the shifter, and sometimes a DD2. Wow. So we'd run like two or three classes uh, with with me. Got it. And my brother, he would come back, you know, during the summers and continue racing. And he would pretty much, once we did the stock Honda stuff, he'd pretty much only do stock Honda. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good shifter driver. He's probably the hardest person on the planet to pass on the brakes. <laughs> uh, because he just, he'll outbreak anyone. And so he would, you know, he was definitely around. And then once he was done with college, he started more of a full-time role with Shockwave as a product designer. So he went oh, to mechanical neat. engineering school. Oh. And so he was, you know, doing all the CAD stuff and, you know, programming the machines and all that. Pretty smart, your parents. We're going to see, we're going we're gonna to have one kid. 
He's going to work out design and future business. And the other one, he's just going to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the labor. Yeah. Smart, uh, smart cookies, your parents. They can't be that smart if they chose carding. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> well, I guess it trickles down, doesn't it, sir? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I was hoping you went there. Uh, I was yeah, hoping. Yeah. So you end up, so you end up uh, having a truncated uh, racing game, uh, right? But just learning hand over fist and being more of a uh, call it an expert, if you will, becoming an expert in the the team side or the industry side, if yep. you will. Never mind all of your your driving you know, talents and your ability uh, to make things happen behind the wheel. You talked about the uh, the team and whatnot in coaching. Had you hadn't done a ton of coaching up to this point, right? So we we went back to the very very beginning. When I asked about being a, a learned driver, more of a natural driver. How'd you pick things up? And I always like to ask that same thing as far as the coaching stuff because not all good drivers are good coaches. But how did you parlay all the knowledge you had? And I've been under your tent, so I kind of have seen what you've done, etc. But how did you parlay the knowledge upstairs into helping out these uh, these new drivers? Right. You know, to be honest, uh, I had been because uh, you know at this point, once I've kind of taken that step back from racing, right? I'm eighteen, nineteen years old, um, and I'd probably been doing coaching since I was like thirteen, fourteen, oh, something really? like that. Um, I worked at a local track during the summer, uh, kind of before shockwave was, was the full-time thing. Um, cause when I would go to the machine shop to work, I would just have to mop floors. Right. That was it. Yeah. You know, and Clean I had 25,000 square foot building and you mop the floor like once and then that was all eight hours of the day. So then right. you just do it again the next yeah. day. By the time you got to the other side of the shop, it was yeah. ready to start the other Close side of the shop. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a go-kart track in between the house and the shop. So I worked there when I was under the legal working age, mm-hmm. right? Made a couple bucks an hour cash. And that was kind of when I started, you know, seeing little cadet kids or whatever and start start helping those kids. Mm-hmm. And so it was definitely a side deal. It was not something I got paid for at all, but I had an interest in in teaching for, you know, five or six years before it came part of my job. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So um, it, it became a primary thing when you're as, as a shockwave team. For sure. And I would assume a bit of a draw. For sure. For sure. And I feel like, like the coaching side of it and the teaching side of it helped me be a better driver for sure. Oh, agreed. Yeah. 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 Does that for sure. If you have to be able to explain what you do, why you do it, I just think that you you're so much more in tune to what you're actually doing on the track and what the cart's doing and being able to make adjustments for it. Yeah. 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 And we were definitely probably a little bit too go-kart focused from a tuning standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, we made the go-karts, right? Sure. And so, you know, like a rear wheel hub, we just make like 10 sizes. Because <laughs> it's easy, yeah. You know, axle types and this and that, and we would we would make just a ton of parts, and we'd always be trying new stuff and new ideas, and you know, hey, let's make a lighter hub. Okay, go drive it. What's that do? You know, I remember. I mean, we'd even take like saws to the go karts, cut bars out of them, move them, weld them back in. Mm-hmm. Dad would say, oh, "Go drive that. Tell me what it did." You know, and so from a development standpoint, I had to get. This probably started when I was, you know, 16 and then progressed up until I was, you know, maybe 20, 21. Um, So, like, maybe 2006 to 2011, 
is when we were going heavy on the development side on the go-karts. And so I had to be very good at, at saying what I did as a driver and what the go-kart did and how it felt and how it changed and how it was different. And so I think the, the teaching side for the kids just was relatively natural because, you know, we're, we're forcing ourselves through that exercise all the time. Yeah, you're not just figuring out what's going on with the parts. And I think that's some of the things that I've, I've talked to, and Derek knows this all too well with our, with our arrive and drive, so the sport carts. Mm-hmm. When you're testing something, it's not about the lap time. Every it, Most of the time, it's not about the lap time. Is a the the lap time is going to be the product of what this package does on this uh, in these conditions. Yeah, but if I need more front bite, then I'll I can feel if I have more front bite or vice versa or what have you. If I need the thing to hold in the corner longer, I can feel whether or not it's holding the corner. That may or may not make it faster. Right, that is also a it's a piece, it's a data point, but it's not everything. Right, and driving go karts, tuning on go karts. Coaching drivers, testing are all individual pieces of the puzzle. And yeah. testing is not the same as racing or driving fast, right? I think Let's go figure out what it's doing. Yeah, That's I think I'm a is. way better tester than I am a, 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 a driver. There's people who are so much better than me at driving, but I feel pretty damn good about being able to dissect a go-kart as far as what it's doing. Right. I wish I knew how to actually use any of that information. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's different. Like, we go out here and drive our go-karts, the, the sport carts, the rentals, to try to get them close. <laughs> it's about what what is it doing and what can we do to make it less bad, you know, <laughs> and make it easier for the customer to, to do well. Testing and racing and driver are definitely not the same. For you to harness or maybe even fine-tune that aspect of it, it's not something everybody gets to do. Most people just go out there and try and cut laps and go faster. Right. They're not developing anything. That developing, I think you look at like a Gary Carlton or something like that, or um, who's with him, Sonny Cervelli, some of those other guys, like being able to drive something, grab information, going, we need to do this to make it. I mean, that is, that's harder to do than like some of these guys are so damn good. How'd it feel? What'd it do? Oh, it's, it's good. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to make it better. I don't, I don't know. know what actually just. It's good. Poor <laughs> little up. yeah, still a poor little blue collar guy just trying to get around a go kart track, but it's good. <laughs> That's your development right yeah. there. Yeah, it's uh, still up. develop That's this. Awesome. All right. <laughs> so you get a chance to do all these different ele- uh, parts of the of the equation going through the the shockwave team, right? It, when you're part of that that team what and you guys are local specific right we're not doing with the exception of some of these big the grand nationals and things like that you're starting to venture out do these different things right you say you do the supernats every year did you do rotax grants or some of these other kind of you know an opportunity for a ticket if you will to to europe yeah yeah i think i raced four three or four rotax grants yeah i know you talked about the one with the throttle cable and whatnot yeah. but as that team manager well i asked are you the team manager or just the coach of the team or how's that go i would say through shockwave you know it it really was my dad that ran the yeah. ran the team mm-hmm. um and i would either race or help just help with the driver coaching Got right it. and i would definitely always do the driver coaching uh we were pretty heavily heavily reliant on micron data mm-hmm. um and so like that was kind of my brother and i that went and learned the micron software and started doing that kind of overlay stuff right um but our single biggest uh market was cadet 
And I mean, there was one year where we sold almost 200 cadet go-karts wow. just to the state of Florida. Wow. wow. Like it was, you know, the hot cadet cart in 2005 or whatever in the state of Florida. Wow. And so, you know, there definitely was a focus on, you know, these one or two drivers trying to go out and win, you know, XYZ race. And so even if we didn't go as an official capacity, you know, my dad would go support one of his dealers. Got it. You know, for a weekend at WKA mm -hmm. or, you know, I would go to a stars race and mechanic for, you know, one of our dealers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we did a lot of support from that aspect where we would go help our, our customers and our dealers, but we didn't do, you know, it really was like Rotax Grands and Supernauts was it from an official, you know, capacity. Right. Mm -hmm. That was part one of the Fullcaster podcast episode 49 with Greg Welch. Be sure to catch part two as well. 